Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3. We, tonight we are going to deviate from our, from our uh, series. We're going to preach a different message tonight. But this morning, um, I believe I, I need to be in the book of Joshua. Th- this is amazing about God. And I'm excited about this. That the, this morning there's truth that will have application for our teens going to camp, but more specifically for our parents and a church that is sending their teens to camp. Tonight there's a message that will be designed to honor a life and to minister to a family, but it can also deal with the teens that are going to camp. And you say, how is that possible? Because God's really amazing. Because His truth is awesome. And this book is timeless and wonderful and perfect for every situation of life. And so I I hope that you'll be here. I've I've made the decision. It's something of an an executive decision. We are going to live stream the service tonight for this reason. There is family in Washington, George and Yelena's family, that would like to be a part of the service tonight that can't be here. And and so we want to make it possible for them to to at least see it. They'll, we'll have a second service up in Washington that they'll be a part of, but we want them to at least be able to be a part of the service through the live stream. While we're making that available, for those who are here, if it's at all possible to be here tonight, you should be here tonight. And, and it shouldn't take a crisis for us to be faithful. It should not take a crisis for us to be faithful, but when they occur, we ought to be ready to be a help and be a blessing and to, and to step up. And I, we are going to give an offering to the Kazis tonight. I'm looking forward to that. But the thing that will mean the most is just being here, if you can, if you can't be here. Because one day, one day we all go through these moments somehow. And what's going to matter more to you than anything else is that people were there for you. And, and, I, and the Bible's clear, we reap what we sow. So in whatever way you can, be here for this family tonight and allow the Lord to use you. So Joshua 3. Joshua 3, they're about to cross the Jordan River. I told you that I thought we were just going to preach one or two messages out of this, and then I got to studying it, and it's turned into like 5 or 10 or 20 just in Joshua 3. There's so much good stuff here. And so... Looking at verse number 13, and it shall come to pass, Joshua is giving the orders, and it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of Jordan, that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand upon an heap. If you'll remember back, the children of Israel are to follow the priests that are carrying the Ark of the Covenant. You would have two staffs running through, two long poles essentially, running through the rings on either side of the Ark, and they would be carried by a certain number of priests on their shoulder. And these priests are to lead the way into the water. And God is saying as soon as their feet begin to touch the Jordan River, something amazing is going to happen. The river is going to pile up in a heap. And you're going to be able to cross on dry ground. Verse 14, And it came to pass when the people removed from their tents to pass over Jordan, and the priest bearing the ark of the covenant before the people, and as they that bear the ark were come unto Jordan, 
And the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water, for Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest, that the waters which came down from above stood and rose up on, rose up upon an heap very far from the city Adam, that is beside Zaratan. And those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea, failed and were cut off. And the people passed over right against Jericho. And the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan. And all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. Two weeks ago, I don't expect you to remember this, but two weeks ago we talked about this characteristic of God. He doesn't just show us the way. He makes a way when there is no way. But this morning we're going to understand that sometimes the way God makes involves people. And that he will make a way through the obedience of his people. It's still him making the way. But God doesn't do what he does until his people do what he tells them to do. So here's the, here's the title, the thought. Feet of faith. Their feet had to touch it and their feet had to stand firm in it in order for everybody to get across. Feet of faith. You may be seated. Thank you for standing to honor God's word as we read it. When Moses, you remember when Moses was struggling to go into Egypt and he kept making excuses and he, and he, asked, he asked the Lord this, who am I supposed to tell them has sent me? You remember what his answer was? I am. The ladies, Miss Jessica, Alex, and Ash, they're going to sing a song this morning called I Am.
point of a song like that is that everything that God, that we need God to be, He is every single moment and every single step of the way. Thank you, ladies, very much for that truth. I am so thankful for that. We, I've had several people tell me about when we moved here about the notorious snowmageddon that occurred, the the winter, the winter before I I got here. And uh, one of one of my favorite uh, things to happen is when we get a lot of snow. Now, since we've been here, we haven't yet had another snowmageddon. And if this is a problem with you, you'll get over it. I'm actually okay if that happens again because I like the snow. It might be kind of fun. Brother Z has some great stories to talk about how Pastor Hetzer in his truck used to make fun of Brother Z in his little Prius or whatever it was that he drove. And I think during the last snowmageddon, Brother Hetzer, or Brother Hetzer was bailed out by Brother Z in his Prius. And that, <laughs> I don't know what it was. And I make fun of Priuses, but apparently I shouldn't because it really, it really got some people out of a difficult spot. But I enjoy walking in the snow. I enjoy playing in the snow. I, I enjoy walking in, in even somewhat deep snow. And it's fun. We, we had a pretty decent snow this past winter. And that day I was able to take the kids, Andrea and the kids and I, and we all just went to the park that's in our neighborhood over by our house. And we just went out there to play some football. And it's so, so fun to watch the, the bigger kids walked through, and, and it was up to maybe their knees or something like that. And so they were just kind of able to step through it. But then you get down to Justin and Jackson and Jaron, and just because of their proximity to the ground, the snow is higher on them. It's not, it's not because there is more snow. It's just that they're closer to the ground and snow it's higher on their bodies. And so you teach your kids when you're taking a walk through snow, look, don't, don't try to go over there. If you'll get in behind me, just my natural steps and the movement of people in front of you and their feet taking steps, it will kind of clear out a path for you so that you have a way that's a little easier to walk. And this has been the case even when taking, having adventures, whether you're going hunting or just going on a hike through the woods and you come through some thick brush and in places like Louisiana or even up here in the mountains in Idaho, you find these areas that are really thick. And you tell your kids when they're behind you, look, if you'll just get behind me, if you'll follow my steps, you can find a way through. And so just someone that's bigger going through, it can be useful to clear out some of the debris or clear out a little bit of the snow to make it easier for them to pass. So the idea is this. The point of the illustration is this. That by the feet of others, there is a way that can be made so others can cross as well. So others can go that way as well. We're reading about in our text God's plan for the people of Israel crossing the Jordan. And this plan was not dependent upon the engineering skills or the strength or the endurance of his people, God brought them to a place and to an obstacle that was superior to them and that was far greater than their ability to overcome, than their resources to overcome, because he wanted them to understand two things. Number one, I, I am 
and I'll be sufficient for you no matter what it is that you face. And number two, if you will rely on me, there is no obstacle that you can't overcome. But if you choose to rely on yourself, you will, become, you will, you will be defeated and you will not be successful in the endeavor of possessing your land. So he wanted them to understand and he was going to teach them through the crossing of the Jordan, that I am with you and that I will make a way for you where, when there is no way. So this is the plan. The priests that are bearing the Ark of the Covenant, which represented God's presence and had God's presence on it, they are going to begin marching toward the Jordan. The beautiful picture of that is that God is always with us and he's always going before us. There's not a trial that you go through where God is not. And just like God was with them in the crossing of the Red Sea, with them crossing the Jordan, with them in the fiery furnace, with them crossing in the lion's den, with them on the battlefield facing a giant, with Paul and Silas when they were singing praise and praying in prison. God is with his people no matter the difficulty or the challenge. He is with them going before them. And so the priest carrying the ark which is the presence of God among his people, they are going before. They, they are leading the way. And this is God's promise, that as the people begin to follow, that as soon as the bottoms of their feet, as soon as their feet begin to dip into the water, then the river, which was at a flood stage at that time, it's going to pile up on one end. It's going to pile up in a heap and just stay there in this constant space cycle this wall of water and the rest of it is going to flow out so that there is no more water and the people they won't have to wade across they won't have to take a sketchy rope bridge across they won't have to make a human chain in order to pull everyone across they're going to be able young and old weak and strong feeble and brave they are going to all be able to cross on dry ground that was the plan that was God's promise now, notice this, and this is very important to the point. God did not need the feet of those priests to part the waters. God wasn't sitting there in heaven saying, man, I really need some size ten and a half, or I don't know what I'm going to do. Man, I really need some people with some good feet that can step on the water. I need, some, I need some holy feet. I need some sanctified feet that can step on the water. No, that, that was not the point. God did not need the feet of the priest in order to part the waters. God can do whatever he wants for his people, however he chooses to do it. God was choosing to use their feet, and this is what they needed to understand, that God was going to work in correlation with their obedience so they would not begin to see the evidence of God's power until they first obeyed him in faith. No, it wasn't that God needed them to do anything. It's that they needed God to do certain things, but God was saying, I'm not going to do all that I can until you do all that I've commanded. Are you with me? All that I've commanded is this, take the ark, get behind it, and as soon as the priests begin to dip their feet in the water, the river will pile up on one end, and then because there's nothing flowing in, it will run out on the other end, and the ground will be dry, but you will not see that until you obey, not before, not after, but as soon as. It's not that God was limited. It's that God wasn't going to do this miracle without their obedience first. What was true for them is also true for you and I today. 
God doesn't need you to do things for him. But there are certain things that he wants to do in your life that you're not going to begin to see come into motion or become a reality until you begin to take the steps that he demands of you. God requires our activity before we begin to see the benefit of his activity sometimes. You don't seem too convinced, so let me give you an example. God can work to bless a family through attending a church. But you're not going to see that benefit until you start attending a church. Okay, I'll continue to make the case. There's benefit in brushing your teeth. But you don't see that benefit until you start brushing your teeth with actual toothpaste and some consistency. I love it when our boys, we tell them to go be ready for bed, the stooges, go brush your teeth. 7.8 seconds later, they are back out. Did you even look at the toothbrush? I mean, did you actually come into physical contact with it? And this is what I think they do. I think they put some toothpaste on it, they lick it off, and then they come out like, yeah, we're good. In order to get the benefit of it, you have you have to do it. You say, I want God. We, we say, I believe God can work in this. I believe God can help me with that. But there are certain elements of obedience that are required before we begin to see all that God can do. So often, this is what we want. We want God, for, we want God to show us everything that he'll do without us ever having to take any steps. But this is what you understand, a biblical principle, the just shall live by faith. We are commanded to take steps of faith, trusting that after we have obeyed God, He will at some point in some way do what He has promised. And yet we want to live our lives by seeing everything when God does not work that way. Whether it be the Old Testament or the New Testament, much of what God can do, much of His activity is never experienced because people are unwilling to be active in the steps they know they're supposed to take. For example, you want God's blessing in raising your children, and there are certain activities as a parent you got to be engaged in. Certain way you got to raise them if you want God to be involved in your raising of them. Oh, God was really specific about the methods of parenting in the Bible. He has a lot to say about it. You say, I want, I want God's blessing. Then you have to be active in taking the steps His way in order to experience some of that blessing. God requires activity before we begin to see the benefit of His activity. So notice two things about them. Number one, I love this. They had faith to take the first step. The priest bearing the ark, just imagine this. Joshua says, go. And there they go. And behind them, a measured distance, the nation is coming. And the priests bearing the ark begin to march toward the water. And as it grew closer, and there might have been questions, is, is this going to work? I don't know if you've ever tried to wade a river. You see it running real fast, and you think, you're going to prove to your buddies, I think I can get across that. And then the rivers up here are both fast and cold. You step in, and you're like, oh, man, you begin to second-guess your decision. And then your buddies are back there like, go ahead, you got this. Are you going to help me? No. (laughs) 
and then you know how it starts pushing you a little bit, and you're fighting it. Imagine carrying a load, and the water is overflowing. It's overflowing its banks. You're not even going to get very far until you begin to get wet. And there might have been a thought that said, I'm not sure this is going to work, and I just, I try to imagine this. I wonder if the priests were sitting there making eye contact, like, what was going on? Is this going to work? These were human beings. They had emotion too. They, they had concerns. They could be subject to fear. But they had the faith to take the first steps. And it had to be such an incredible leaf, relief that as soon as those priests that were in the forefront carrying the ark, as soon as their feet begin to touch the water, and maybe God waited until all the priests had. I tend to believe that it was the first ones at the front of the line. But at whatever point they begin to touch the water, the water stop. And here's why they experienced that. Because they had the faith to take the first step. You've often heard it said this way. That the hardest step is the first step. This is what, the visual here is amazing. If you'll think, that first step, that first step into the Jordan overflowing its banks and with how wide it was and how deep they knew it, would, they knew it could be, that first step into, the, into those raging, those swiftly moving waters, that first step had to be challenged. There had, challenging. There had to be some fear. There had to be concern about what would happen. But as they take that step, the water begins to subside. And they take another step. And with every step, their confidence increases. But they never would have gotten to the place where they would walk with confidence in God all the way out into the middle if they hadn't had the faith faith. To take the first step. This is such a tragedy. Many of God's people get hung up on the first step. The first step that they know they're supposed to take. The first step that they know God wants them to. The first step of being committed to attending. The first step of being committed to reading your Bible. The first step of being committed to praying. The first step of seeking forgiveness. The first step of of admitting that you're wrong. The first step of wanting reconciliation. The first step of believing God can help you move past the tragedy or God can help you move past the betrayal and God can still give you hope the first step. So many people can get hung up on the first step. These people had the faith to take the first step. Please get this. They didn't take the first step because it was obvious what was hap- would happen. They took the first step because they believed the promise that God had made. Those first steps were not met with physical evidence. They were simply taken by faith that if I take this step, then God has promised that he is going to move this water. And once that initial step was taken... Taking the next step became easier. Do you know why the next steps three weeks down the road seem so hard? Because you haven't even taken the first step. Talking to our sister over the course of the last two days, you can't try to live six, front, six months from now. You've got to take the step today. Today, you can't try to live overcoming an addiction eight months from now. You got to battle it today. You got to take the step today. You can't worry about your struggle with obedience, young people, three weeks from now. You got to be obedient in the issue today. 
You can't worry about what it's going to be, parents, and how your child's going to respond a year from now. You've got to take that step of obedience today. Child of God, you can't worry about how you're going to feel in four months or in four years. You've got to take that step of obedience today. You've got to have faith to take the first step. When you take the first step, you will begin to see the things that only God can do. Number two, they had faith to stand firm. As long as they were standing in the river, this is what's amazing, the water stayed back. Look at verse 16. They, they start stepping in it in verse 15. Verse 16, the waters which came down from above stood and rose up upon and heaped very far from the city Adam that is beside Zaratan. And, and it failed and cut off and the people passed over right against Jericho. Verse 17, and the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan. And all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over. Look at verse 17. Excuse me. Chapter 4, just a minute. The, the water staying back was dependent on their feet standing firm. Meaning this, it wasn't enough for these men to take a step into the water. They then had to stand between the wall of water behind them or beside them and the congregation that was crossing. And as long as their feet stood... God was in the midst of that river with them, but if at any point they got out, that water would begin to flow again regardless of who else was in it. Look at verse 17 of chapter 4. Joshua commanded the priest saying, come ye up out of Jordan. And it came to pass when the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord were come up out of the midst of Jordan and the soles of the priest's feet were lifted up unto the dry land that the waters of Jordan returned unto their place and flowed over all his banks as they did before. As soon as the priest stepped out, as soon as everyone was safely across, the river returned to its normal flooded fashion or state. But it was not going to flow as long as the priest bearing the ark according to the word of God, the promise of God, stood there faithfully in the middle. Let me tell you a couple of things that could have set in while they were standing there. Again, think you're carrying a load that is not light. It's being shared, but it's still a burden and you're standing there. We're talking about hundreds of thousands of people if not well over a million worth of people, they don't get across quickly. Look, I don't get my family of eight kids through Walmart quickly. Like, just be, just be honest. You know how it is when you get somebody that's moving a little too slow. I got I to gotta tell you a funny story. Just humor me for a second. Andrea and I are visiting one of Andrea's grandmothers last week. In her 90s, she's mentally, she still has awareness, but she's lost her sight, she's lost her hearing, and just has a hard time moving. Communication's really hard with her, and so you just love her. And so we're, we're sitting walking with her to her apartment. She's in an assisted living apartment, Grandma Catherine. And she's just, I'm not making fun, I'm just telling you how she's moving. She's lost sight, she's lost hearing, her body is feeble, she's just moving slowly. Well, everyone in that apartment complex isn't at the same level of limitation. And I, 
my mother-in-law was here, Andrea was here, I'm on this side, and we get to her door and we just turn, and all of a sudden, man, there's a NASCAR driver behind us. This gal in pink sweatsuit was like, oh, hallelujah, you're turning in. Oh, man. She buzzed by. You say, why? She was not happy that it was taking us so long. Can I tell you? That's one apartment complex. We're talking about hundreds of thousands of people moving at a variety of places. You know what that means? They're going to be standing there a while. Have you ever gotten into a Walmart line and thought, okay. Look, I, I do this. Like, I, I don't stand in lines at Walmart for personal enjoyment. On the rare occasion that I have to be in one, I want to be in it as little as possible. And so I'm like a scout. I'm surveying. I'm like, which one's the shortest? Oh, I think number 12's moving quicker. Oh, number 14's not. Oh, man, which one are we going to do? And then I always get grumpy about having 85 cash registers and seven employees there anyway. You know how frustrating it is to pick the one you're like, this one will move fastest, and then everyone starts moving, and the red light on the one you're in comes on, and assistance is needed on the aisle with Jonathan Pyle in it, <laughs> just standing there, standing there a long time. You know what's going to happen? You're going to get tired. You are going to get tired. You're going to get weary. And you know what you're going to think? It would be easier to set this down. It would be easier to walk out and to just lay this down. I understand there are people that are still there, but I've been standing here for hours. I have been standing here in the heat of this moment. I have been holding this, and my shoulder is cramping, and my arms are going numb. I am getting weary. Here's the truth about standing in certain areas on the truth of God's word. It gets tired. You get, it gets wearisome. You get tired. You get tired always having to parent the same way when a culture moves further and further away from God. You get tired of having to take positions on issues. And it would be so much easier just to join the crowd and go along with the flow. You can get weary as a pastor preaching truth that isn't getting more popular. It's getting less popular by the cultural standards and you say things and you know people are thinking at times man it's the same thing it's the same idea over and over and over again and you just get weary you can get weary as a youth worker investing in teens when sometimes it seems like you're more concerned about their spiritual welfare than their parents are concerned about their spiritual welfare it's hard to invest in people over and over again when you have more concern about their spiritual spiritual development than they have for their spiritual development themselves. You can get weary in that. You can get weary with the burden. You can get weary with the attendance. You can get weary with the investment. You can get weary with the praying and the reading and the giving and the serving. Do you understand that serving God is demanding? Jesus didn't say, take up your unicorn and your cupcake and follow me. I'm not trying to be ridiculous, but that's how we treat it as Christians. It's hard for us because it was hard for him. 
And we can't follow him and expect that we're not going to be weary at times. There's nothing wrong with you if you're weary. There's nothing wrong with you when you need a reprieve. There's nothing wrong when there are seasons where it's harder than at others. But you've got to understand, standing by faith, sometimes you will be weary in it. But you've also got to understand this. There's no substitute for you standing. I'll come back to that point in just a minute. Number two, they could have given in to weariness. Number two, they could have given in to fear. So what are you talking about? I know you've never seen this. But you're standing there, and there is a very large heap of water. That is not a gentle brook. And it's way up there. And you don't even know how it's up there. Well, we know God. Okay, please, until you've lived that, obviously it was God. But you're there, and, and you've never seen anything like this. Well, the, the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea. Yeah, but these were all new people. They've never seen it. They heard about it. They haven't seen it. Man, there it is, holding it up. Oh, boy. Isn't it, isn't it interesting how we can start off with courage, but then over time we can become afraid? We can start off, man, I, I have courage and, and I have confidence and, and we stand for a while. But then over time, after having stood for a while, we begin to get squeamish about standing where we've always stood. We begin to make concessions. We begin to make compromises. I want to go back to the point that I was just making. There was no substitute for those priests standing. There is no substitute for a preacher preaching the word of God. Standing when they're weary, when they're afraid. There is no substitute for a mom and dad standing. No, I'm all about youth camp. And I believe God will work in youth camp. I believe God will move in worth camp. Move in youth camp. And I don't believe that God needs everything to be exactly right to work in the hearts of people. I am thankful that God can work in spite of difficult situations. But sometimes parents have ceased to stand where they need to stand. And you've got to recognize that is jeopardizing the faith and the spiritual development of your children. I'm not saying that it's impossible. I'm just saying it got a lot more difficult because you stopped standing where you need to be standing and they no, they no longer have that person in their life that, to be their parents that are supposed to be doing it. I'm not saying God can't bring somebody else. I'm not saying God still can't work, but it does create, it does make it more difficult, doesn't it? There's no substitute. We have a family going through tragedy The value of a church family is not primarily seen in times of good and joy. It's primarily seen in times of loss and difficulty. When you get weary and you get tired. But when people go through challenges, they don't need you to hide from them. They need you to stand with them. Even when you don't know what to do except just to stand. Understand that God used the steps and the stands of faith. To make a way for his people to cross. They stood without giving in to weariness. They stood without giving in to fear. Over and over and over again. They stood as family after family. And individual after individual trudged by. They stood and through their standing. 
God made a way. Now, now please note this. Where they stepped and where they stood were not determined by their own ambition. When they stepped, where they stepped and where they stood, it was determined by one thing, where God said. This is not some kind of prosperity gospel where you just name and claim the area you want to step in and stand in and God's going to give it to you. No, they stepped and they stood where God said to step and to stand. And when they stepped and stood where God said to step and stand, then God was with them and he made a way for them. God used the steps and the stands of faith. God used the steps and stands of a few to make a way for many. So there's two dangers. Danger number one is this. You don't take the first steps of faith. Selling out to Jesus committing and organizing your life that you would be his disciple and that you would follow him, making him the primary focus of how you organize your life and your days and your ambitions and your desires and making him the priority, allowing him to be supreme in your life and you, and you flirt with it. You flirt with that first step. If, if the edge of this platform is that first step, you get close to it and it's like, oh no, I don't know about that. And you get close to it and it's, oh no, I don't know about that. And you're over here in a different area. Oh, I know I need to take the step. Oh, it just looks too hard. Oh, I know I need to take the first step. Oh, no, I'm just not sure that I can take it. And there's so many of God's people that have spent their lives in a cycle of getting close to a first step, but never taking it the way they need to. You never sell out the way you need to. And as a result, you never see God move the way that he can because you won't step all the way and you won't just start going. You won't say, you know what? I just need to be there. You know what? I just need to forgive. You know what? I just I need to move on. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Doesn't mean I'm always going to understand it. But if I know God has said to take this step, I just need to tar- start taking this step and I can't I can't let my fear of the unknown prevent me from taking the step that is right in front of me. It's not that he won't. It's that you've got to believe him enough to sell out and take that step. Number two, you don't stand in faith. The danger is you won't take the first step. The second danger is that you won't stand in faith. It's a tragedy, but people have taken many amazing steps. But then after a while, they stop standing. Sarah, are there examples of that in the Bible? Yeah. Moses did it once. Remember, Moses, God told Moses, I want you to speak to the rock to give people water. And he did. But then he got mad at the people and God said, or excuse me, he, God said, I want you to smite the rock. A picture of Jesus Christ being crucified, so he smote the rock. Then, after the people were complaining about water, God said to Moses, I want you to speak to the rock. Because after the rock is smitten, you only need to speak to him and he gives salvation. Jesus was only smitten once, hallelujah. But Moses was angry. And he stopped standing in the patience and the long-suffering and the control of God in his heart. And he stood in the flesh and he struck that rock. And you know what the consequences were? He didn't get to take the steps that he could have taken. David, 
He was a man after God's own heart. He took many steps to seek God. He took many steps to obey God. He took many steps to restrain himself and to correct himself and to be pure before God. But after a while of standing in a place of courage, after a while of standing in a place of purity, after a while of standing in a place of dedication to God, he got distracted with where he was standing and the benefit that it was to those around him. And he began looking at other places he could stand and his eyes fell upon easy pleasure that he thought he could have for himself and he could hide the sin and he could cover it up through lies and he could cover it up through organizing the murder of one of his most loyal soldiers and yet he found out that when he ceased to stand where God had him standing, he ceased to benefit from the place he was standing. You understand in David's life, it was never the same after that. No, not that God didn't forgive him but that the kingdom and especially his family went downhill in a hurry. You know why? It wasn't because God's not faithful. It's because he quit standing where he knew God wanted him to be. I'm telling you, there's some of you that are looking around like, I don't know what's happened. And what's happened is not that God has changed. It's that you're no longer standing where you need to be in your habits, in your commitment to the Lord, in your love for people, in your humility, in your discipline to seek God Spend our, lives in, spend our lives in our own spin cycle of, I want to take this step, but uh, I just can't do it. I want to take it, uh, but I just can't do it. Or for a while, we've been standing, but we just get tired or we get scared. Can I tell you, it's okay that you get tired and scared. Here's what helps me. I look at Audrey. I look at Danielle. I look at Maddie. I look at Julia keep going down the list. I look at these ugly mugs over here. <laughs> look at these lovely mugs over here. And this is what I think. Somebody has to stand for them. No, not, not because I'm special, but someone has to be used of God to make a way for them to follow. This is what I wonder. This is what I think about. When I'm dead, what kind of church do they have to inherit? Is there a way for them to go? You should be asking that same question about you as a parent, about you as a part of this church. Am I standing? Am I stepping? Am I stepping? Am I standing where I need to so that others will have a way to go? It's not that God needs us. It's that he uses the steps in the stands of a few to make a way for many. You're going to stand somewhere. You might as well figure out if it's where God wants and then stay right there. I don't want to overuse it, but it's going on, so I'm going to use it. I'll give more detail about it tonight, but I was able to, I was able to say with confidence to Yelena, in a, in, a, in a wife and mother's greatest sorrow, I was able to look her in the face and without flinching say, I know what your husband would want, and more importantly, I know what God wants. And I love this response from her. I know where I'm supposed to be. And even though it's hard, I want to keep standing there. In a whole lot of areas. 
doesn't mean it's not going to be tested. But you have to stay there. Because there's no other place where God works like he does than where he told you to be. I hope you're getting this this morning. Have you taken a first step yet? Are you getting weary with standing? Are you looking at the culture and saying, man, it's about to come down on us like a tsunami? I love what Brother Max said. He didn't quote the verse, but he was referencing it. If God be for us, who can be against us? For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor, th- nor height, nor depth, nor things present, nor things to come. I know that messed it up. Nor any creature is able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Are you getting tired? Are you getting scared? Then you look to the one who has never stopped standing and you anchor yourself to him. Let's all bow our heads and close our eyes. For some of you, every head bowed and every eye closed, for some of you, that first step is this. For some of you, the first step is this. You need to get saved. For some of you, you need to ask Jesus to save you. You've never trusted in him. You, you know that you're going to die, and you know you need a relationship with God, but you've never truly understood what it means to admit that you're a sinner, that you can't do any good to save yourself, but that it's through Jesus Christ alone that you're saved. And the first step for you is to, in faith, humble yourself and believe in Jesus Christ to save you from your sin. For some of you, the first step might be a habit you know, I, I've got to deal with this. I've got to admit it. I've got to deal with it. For some of you, that the first step might be forgiveness. For some of you, the first step might be moving on in faith. For some of you, the first step might be releasing something that you can't control and trusting God with it. You need to take a first step. Some of you, the battle isn't the first step. The battle is that you've taken many steps and you're in the middle of it. You're in the middle of the flood and you've seen what God can do and you've experienced his blessing, but you're tired. And as the intensity of our cultural opposition to the truth increases, you're, you're afraid of what's coming. You're standing, but you're weary. You're standing, but you're afraid. And you're thinking about just changing a few things just to give myself a little rest. You can't have everything God wants to do if you don't stand where God says to stand. So you got to find him in that flood. you got to stay close to him in that flood. With every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody looking around, I wonder if there would be someone that would raise their hand and say, either with the first step or with the standing There is an area where I'm struggling in my life and I need God's help. Would you please pray for me? You raise your hands up. Yeah, I see them going up. Hold them up before the Lord. Either the first step or the standing. I'm struggling. I get tired. My attitude, I get weary. God doesn't, God doesn't wreck us when we struggle. He invites us to come to him with our struggles. So as we stand together, as Miss Jessica continues to play, If God has spoken to your heart, let's stand and you respond to the Lord if he's spoken to you.
Father, thank you for who you are, and thank you that you are what you are at all times. I pray that you would give your people faith, help them to have faith to take a first step. Sometimes that first step is passing out a track, asking someone about their salvation. Sometimes that first step is asking you to forgive them. Sometimes that first step is going home and admitting to a husband or a wife, I've been wrong and we need to correct this. Sometimes it's going home to children and saying, we've let some things go that we need to tighten up. Lord, help them to take the first step. And for those who have stood and are standing but are weary and are afraid in the standing, God, would you help them to look to you? If you held the waters for 10 years of their life, you can continue to hold the waters. If you held back the flood in seasons of their life, you can continue to keep them through the the, the insurmountable obstacles that they face. So, Father, when it's easy, when it's hard, when it's rewarding, when it seems to be pointless, help us to stay where you are, knowing that that's the only way we're going to have what you promise. Thank you for your goodness to us, Lord. Thank you for your people. I pray for your blessing on the day. Lord, help us to rejoice in you. Help us to comfort those who are hurting Help us to be today everything that you would have us to be by experiencing everything that you are. And we give you glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen.